to another episode of What's the Story with Jillian and Shauna. We are here today to talk about episode 20 of season one of Wishbone Mixed Breeds. Um, and we have a guest today, Jess, who's joining us for our recording. So welcome, Jess. Thank you. So this episode focuses on the book Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Lewis, Lewis Stevenson. Um, it's actually a novella written in... 1886, um, and it's also known as The Strange Case of um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, do either of you have a relationship to this book? Um, I'll go first because mine's pretty quick. It's mostly like all the pop culture references. I don't know where I first heard of it. Honestly, it probably was Wishbone, but I think it's so pervasive in our pop culture. I definitely don't think I knew it was Robert Louis Stevenson until watching this because I think of like Treasure Island, I think he wrote. Um, and I also thought of this K-pop group called Vix, V-I-X-X. -X. Yep. They have an <laughs> iconic song called Hyde. I highly recommend everybody go look up the live performance of Hyde because three of the members wear white and three of the members wear black and the choreography is set up. So like, Three are evil and three are good. It is like truly iconic. <laughs> that is my relationship with this book. I never read it. Well, and see, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't, I, I have the same relationship you do, but I didn't even remember that that was part of it because all this, like the colloquial references that I have are just that. I don't have any personal experience with the work, right? I don't, I've never read it. This is my first exposure. And I'm pretty sure this is the first time I've watched this episode. So other than just referencing, about contrast and talking about people's identities and contrasts that's it that's all i got yeah like the extremes the polar opposites yeah people say like yeah. jekyll hyde they just mean you're acting like so extremely out of character right yeah yeah i agree i've never read this which is a running theme in all these books i don't read any of these books but um the other thing that it reminded me of i don't know i know shauna you were an arthur watcher as well but do you remember they had the musical episode? Hi, Jekyll, hi, hi, Jekyll. <laughs> exactly. That was exactly what I thought of. <laughs> so good. I, that's going to be stuck in my head for days. But there's like this episode, like, I don't, I don't know why there was a musical episode of Arthur, but it was so good. And the brain is uh, Jekyll and Hyde. And I've looked it up on YouTube real quick before we started recording. And it's, the animation is amazing. That's such a good, I love that we all have musical references and like, that's so entertaining to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking, actually, as you were talking about how there's a K-pop song about it, which I don't listen to K-pop, but I was like, I can't believe Taylor Swift hasn't written a song about this already. Because it's like, it's yeah, such a good song. Like, oh, I, I'm dating this side of you. And then like, well, you're two-faced, like the other side of you came up. Well, and there's a, there's a newer EXO song called Jekyll too. Well, so it's, go. it keeps going. And it's funny how it keeps coming up thematically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It seems like good fodder for some real angsty music. Yes. <laughs> 100%. They take it in a kind of a sexy direction, interestingly. <laughs> Jillian is like, no thanks. <laughs> I mean, I, if I remember, maybe I'll watch it. Um, <laughs> I, I did see when I was looking on the Wikipedia page that there have been over 120 stage and film adaptations alone. So obviously this is, as we're talking about, this is like a very prevalent story in culture. Um, the episode of Wishbone was not listed in the adaptations of Wikipedia. And if I were someone who cared to update a Wikipedia page, I would definitely add that because it's a very important thing. Yeah, that's surprising. Also the Arthur bit. Yes, yes, the PB, PB, this is PBS erasure. It's <laughs> a very pressing problem. We have no other problems that we need to solve. This is it. No, we have priorities and one is educating children. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so should we dig into the episode? Let's do this. All right. Um, before we recorded, Shauna texted me and was like, this is the best episode of Wishbone ever, which may be something that she says about every episode, but she also <laughs> may be right because this episode was so good. I, it's a I, strong I, episode. I do truly think it's the best episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree completely. I loved it. So 
the episode opens with Wishbone digging in Wanda's yard, and he comes across, like, a million different things, including a flamingo that he's buried, which is interesting, because I thought that he was friends with the flamingos. I thought that that's what we had established several episodes ago, but whatever. You know, you do you, Wishbone. So he's digging, and he comes up with his mud ball, and he is, like, so jazzed, because that's what he was looking for. And while he's in Wanda's yard at uh, Club Wanda, he, Wanda comes out and sees Wishbone next to the hole and doesn't freak out. She's like so excited to see him. She's like, oh, Wishbone, you're so cute. You're such a cute little dog. And she's like, perhaps on drugs. I don't know what's wrong with her. She was very, like, very, like, dreamy and like, goofy. This is your brain on drugs. This is your brain on love. <laughs> true that true that that's why i'm single i don't want that nonsense um but as we've talked about before wanda really reminds me of our french teacher from high school and everything about wanda in this episode not that i ever saw a french teacher in love like that i don't know there's something about her character and this was like oh there she goes again outfits her wild outfits she kept talking about how she needed to be very extreme in her outfits and mm-hmm. at one point she has like weird barrettes in her hair and i was yeah. like yes Madame Vare 100% would have put those barrettes in her hair and said, today I'm Jeanne d'Arc. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully. Truly that, yeah. Maybe it was the outfits. Our French teacher always wore a piece of clothing that had something to do with French. Okay. Like she would wear a t-shirt with French printing on it or like a I skirt mean, with Eiffel Towers. A beret when she couldn't find something else. <laughs> <laughs> she was Looney Tunes. I mean, she was... I just, great conversation about her but she's she was interesting anyway um so wishbone goes inside after he finds his mud ball and he sees ellen and wanda in the kitchen and ellen is like asking wanda what's your big secret and she's like so inquisitive about what wanda's hiding and wanda explains that last night she was at pepper Pete's for pizza and a talent show because they have a sale on uh, vegetarian pizzas with anchovies on whatever night she was there and I really kind of like this side note that Wanda's a vegetarian, but eats anchovies. Like, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> and Ellen is at this point. Ellen's like, "Ooh, live entertainment and anchovies." <laughs> like, <laughs> Ellen is on fire in this episode. This is like this episode has proved to me that Ellen hates Wanda. Truthfully, truthfully, really. Yeah, they're no. not friends. They're, they they don't feel like friends. <laughs> they're not. No, I think that they're like sisters or something. It's like she like has to deal with Wanda, and she's like sort of amused by her, but mostly annoyed by her. Which is maybe why she's so great at boundaries. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it did make me think that. So I've never had anchovies on pizza, and I feel like anchovies on pizza are like a real trope. Like I don't. No yes, especially in the 90s like anchovies on pizza was supposed to be something really really gross like oh anchovies yeah i've never had pizza with anchovies on it they made a really big deal out of it on an episode of futurama that was great it was the last can or yeah the last can of anchovies that you could buy in the whatever i forget i'm embarrassing myself by knowing what century they're in but there are they in the 22nd century I don't remember. It's just, it's, it's <laughs> way into the future. And yeah, and so it's a prized thing by then. Well, I mean, if you like pizza with anchovies like Wanda does, then it would be a prize. Might as well go to the future. Right. Also, Wait. they put anchovies in Caesar dressing. So yes. that's important. Oh. Yes, yes. I only know that because my mom's allergic to anchovies. And I don't know, hot tip. And we're Sicilian, so that's rough for her. So um ellen so they're talking about the talent show and ellen is asking wanda like why bob wasn't with her um and she was like bob only likes intellectual entertainment like lutes which is like again yep. something that never i've never even heard of i mean i've heard of lutes but like that's not a real thing. right but a lute performance yeah. <laughs> not not a thing that's real well it has happened on good witch so <laughs> Well, so then it's canon as a thing that exists in the world. It's a thing that exists in wholesome television shows that Shauna watches and Jillian's parents would enjoy. True. They've watched Good Witch also. Um, But it turns out that it was a good thing that Wanda went alone because she fell in love with a rock and roll sensation who sang the entire song to her. 
And then in parentheses, I wrote, AKA Bob, duh. Like, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was definitely coming. Good job with the foreshadowing. Yes, it was so good. <laughs> I kind of remember um, that piece of the story while it was happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, also, it's like a show for children, and we are all reasonably adults. So if we can't understand the plot, then that's a problem. <laughs> Um, and the performer, Lou Dublin, tossed his sunglasses to Wanda, so now she's wearing them around the house, which becomes a problem in a minute, but meanwhile, she's just walking around with sunglasses on. And then they're like, Ellen and Wanda are like speculating, like, do you think, what do you think this means? And Wanda's like, I think it means he likes me. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, what do these people not know about flirting? I just, <laughs> we don't know these things either. We're also single. <laughs> well, okay. Still like this for I, the record. <laughs> I'm, it's still a thing for me. <laughs> well, like, I can't imagine as an adult sitting around being like, what do you think it means if he throws your sunglasses at you? Like, it was very obvious. Like, if a man my age was, like, looking me in the eye during the entire performance, I probably would be like, I think he wants something to happen. And I'm not, maybe I'm not going to say no. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I feel like Wanda should have made an assessment. Does she go home with Lou Dublin or not? Yes. That seems yeah. very easy to me. Because she's made that decision in the past with that violin guy, with the... <laughs> Oh, with Mr. Pruitt. Yes, exactly. Which we've seen them on a date, too. I know. So it seems like Wanda should know what's up. A little bit. She has game. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> she has generational wealth, which attracts men to her. This is correct. <laughs> so Lou Dublin won first prize at the talent show, which is very exciting because that means there's going to be an encore performance the next night. And Wanda wants Ellen and the kids to come with her because she needs a gang. Um, she needs to get their like her, her wingmen. I don't know. Like I her really excuse just to go back. Yeah. The whole situation was so funny because when Wanda says, Hey, you have to come, Ellen's eyes like bugged out of her head. She was like, You could see her racking her brain on like, How do I get out of that? <laughs> yeah. Ellen makes a good point that Wanda already has a boyfriend and she shouldn't be such a two-timer. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Wanda is truly like head over heels in like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, like a She's bird in the infatuated. That's the word. Wanda is infatuated. She is. And I think if you've got a boyfriend already, you don't need to be going out looking for another one if you already like your boyfriend, even if he goes to loot performances. Yeah, and she's like, Bob's too highbrow. Like, he's too stuffy. And I was like, um, have you even asked him if he likes rock? Like, right. you I haven't had this communication yet. <laughs> yeah, you can't, move in, you can't really move into spheres like polyamory without some major, <laughs> major communication building skills. <laughs> yeah. That's true. She wants to have, she wants to move the relationship in another direction. She should have a conversation with Bob. True. Um, so she decided, Wanda decided she's going to cancel her date and go to the talent show, which I thought was hilarious that Ellen knew that Wanda had a date that she had to cancel. But <laughs> she's like, why does Ellen know Wanda's schedule better than Wanda? But it's Wanda. Um, so she puts on her sunglasses and attempts to leave the room, but ends up in a broom closet and then goes in the wrong direction and then finally makes it out the door. Is that a metaphor, by the way? I'm thinking about it now. <laughs> now that you closet. say it again. Yeah, now that you say it, I'm like, hmm, her being blinded by the sunglasses and walking into a mistaken place. Maybe, but it's also a children's television show. <laughs> I couldn't read too much into this. But the best, so... <laughs> One of my favorite lines of the West Wing, which is only funny to me, and if you guys aren't West Wing fans, you're not going to care, but it reminded me of there's this episode where this girl, she's new, and she goes, she tries to leave the room and ends up in a closet, and then she comes out of the closet and the president's there, and she's like, he's like, why are we in the closet? And she said, I was trying to go to the bathroom, and he says, they won't let me smoke inside, but they'll let you pee in Leo's closet, oh and God. I think that, that is very funny. That is very, very that funny. That is very funny. And no, they shouldn't let you smoke inside. <laughs> well, yeah, but it was the 90s and like smoking inside was a thing. But if you're in the White House, you probably shouldn't smoke inside. <laughs> and smoking kills children. <laughs> That's true. Smoke tobacco. <laughs> um, 
So anyway, Wanda leaves. She goes over to her house. She gets outside, or she's like getting up to the front door, and Bob is there dropping off flowers. And then they have this very awkward encounter or exchange where they're both trying to cancel the date at the same time. And then Bob finally gets it out and says, I have to cancel the date. And then Wanda gets all salty and sassy, even though she was going to cancel the date anyway. Yeah. And then Bob is like, well, fine, fine. Then I'm just going to go. Fine. And like, they both storm off and it was so confusing. It was so weird. There was a whole, there was like a whole minute of them being like, well, fine. Well, fine. Well, fine. (laughs) I I really had an expectation that that would end in great. Yeah. It works out perfectly. Sorry. I know. It was like, well, this worked out for everyone. Yeah. It was so cool. <sighs> That's when we were able to confirm that it was definitely him. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> He's Lou Dublin. He's Lou Dublin. And I like Wishbone's line here while he's watching this. He goes, ah, life's a little soap opera. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next day, Wishbone is sleeping in his chair when Joe leaves for school. And Wishbone is like, all concerned, he's like, I slept too much. I, I sleep out all day and I'm up all night. I'm like, am I a cat? Oh my God, what's wrong with me? Um, which I thought was very funny. So funny. That was a really great wishbone moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also he didn't go to school with Joe. And normally he, what we've learned from other episodes, he goes and he sits on the bench outside of school. That's why I thought Joe was saying, wake up sleepyhead. Like we have to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> right. You have to come sit outside for eight hours while I'm in class. It's so true. It's so odd. Um, So then they show the kids at school and they're all in class and Mr. Pruitt isn't there. And when he shows up, he's like all disheveled. He's got papers everywhere. He's dropping stuff. He doesn't know what chapter they're on in their book. And the kids keep correcting him. And so then he gets really sassy and gives them a pop exam, which if it's a pop exam, then you don't tell the kids that it's coming. But I'm not an educator. What do I know? and so they have a pop exam on the whole poetry book the next day. So the kids are like, oh shit, now we got to cram. But also he like is messing with his left shoulder. And then I was like, oh my God, is he having a heart attack? <laughs> that's so funny. I immediately was like, oh, it must be from dancing so much. But that's only because I saw the episode before. That's such a good point. Well, in most TV shows, if you're messing with your left shoulder, you're definitely having a heart attack. Yeah. Um, so the kids are going to go, they go home and they're going to study because they want to be able to get pizza. And so they're like really prioritizing their studies, which they don't normally do. I think it's because of Sam. We know Sam loves English and reading. (laughs) That's true. She was definitely the the motivator. (laughs) Oh yeah. She's definitely like in charge of the two of those boys. (laughs) They have no idea. She's best at time management. So she's like, yeah, we can study until we get pizza. Duh. (laughs) So then um, they flash to Wanda and Ellen at Wanda's house. And the accessories in that room were just too much. Oh, yeah. And uh, Wanda is trying on this, like, really weird red and black outfit with the uh, barrettes that Shauna was referencing earlier. Um, and, and all in an effort to impress Lou Dublin. And Ellen is like, oh, I think you look crazy. Perhaps you <laughs> like yourself because clearly Bob likes that and clearly Lou liked it last time he saw you mm-hmm. and you should just be yourself but Wanda's like I have to be mysterious and I have to be she's if he's the king of rock and roll I have to be his queen or something like that yeah that's exactly what she says and she says <laughs> what's so special about me like that's the line I wrote down where she's like what's so special about me like oh Wanda this is a television show. You will learn your lesson. <laughs> but also, Wanda, look around your house. That's what's so special about you. You're eccentric. That's your vibe. Um, so then the quiz are, the kids are quizzing each other on poetry. And I wrote a note, like, what is this, a birthday test? Because in our French class in high school, our teacher used to give us these tests that were, like, so obscure. It would be, like, a line from a poem, and you'd have to remember who wrote it. And, like, it was horrible. And that was exactly what I was thinking of. Like, you can't just quote random poetry and be like, who wrote this? That's not like a thing that people get quizzed on. And we actually did get quizzed on some poets. Guillaume Apollinaire is one. <laughs> <laughs> For example. <laughs> um, and so then David's watch goes off. 
Because apparently he set a timer for pizza. <laughs> He's like ready for pizza. Oh, so 90s. I loved it. <laughs> it was so good. Um, and so the kids decide they're going to bring their books with them to Pepper Pete so that they can keep studying while they're having dinner. Um, and then the next scene we see, they're at the, they're at, uh, Pepper Pete's and Joe has like slicked his hair back for dinner. And, you know, I love it when he slicks his hair back. It means that he's ready for something formal. Yes. <laughs> so it's was, like a night out. It's like a evening out. Like this isn't Denny's. This is like he really took it seriously. Yes, this is like pizza shuttle. <laughs> like, <laughs> fancy pizza. Fancy pizza. Um. So Lou Dublin shows up. There's like this crazy light action. Like all these lights swim, like swirling around. And then Lou Dublin shows up, and he's this guy dressed like Elvis. And it is like so clearly Bob Pruitt wearing an Elvis oh, costume. <laughs> Like, what the hell, Wanda? There's no way Wanda could not have known like, it was Bob. How long has she been dating him to not have seen that? Even if she had met him one time. Even if she had met him one time before. It was characteristic. So, so he is, <laughs> he remembers Wanda and like calls her out by name. So that was one thing, which I thought maybe that was going to be the clue that it was Bob. Like maybe she had never given him her name, but that wasn't it. It gets worse. Um, so he's in this like Elvis jumpsuit, white, white jumpsuit, and he has feathers hanging off the back of his jumpsuit, which oh, was confusing to me. That was super weird. A lot of things were <laughs> happening. Super weird. So he's swinging around so much that his wig flies off his head and lands on their pizza, which is a... a waste of a good pizza and then everyone is like so upset well it's like so shocked and Wanda is horrified so she leaves and I would be horrified too because he had like blonde hair and then big black like mutton chops on the side of his head <laughs> so they go outside and Wanda is explaining to Bob like she's just so upset because she feels like he's mocking her and like like, were you just trying to make fun of me? Didn't think I would ever figure it out. Like, it's, like, very, very emotional. And he says that his, um, that he didn't want to tell Wanda because he thought she wouldn't like plain old Bob anymore. Like, she would be so smitten with Lou Dublin that Bob would not be cool. Which is actually exactly what happens. Right. <laughs> that is, yep. <laughs> but at least... Uh, he also explains that his soldier sold shoulder is sore from dancing so he's not having any heart problems that we know of which i was relieved to hear jillian needed some clarity there's one moment i want to talk about before we move on while lou is performing wanda has a series of reactions that are very vocal and over the summer i saw when harry met sally for the first time and you know there's a very famous scene where sally fakes an orgasm at a diner Wanda 100% basically reenacted <laughs> that scene. Like as times were progressing and her sounds were changing and her facial expressions was changing, I was like, she is basically having an orgasm on this television show. Well, you know, sometimes you just get so worked up when you see Bob Pruitt dressed as Elvis with feathers <laughs> off his back. I don't know. Sting those hips and she was like, thrust them my way. <laughs> Lou Dublin just does something to a lady, you know? <laughs> so, um, do you have other additions, Shauna? No, or did that, you just want to talk about Wanda's orgasm? We needed to, no, I knew we needed to talk about, that's it. You're doing a great <laughs> job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, the next thing we see, Joe is bringing home, he's brought home leftovers for Wishbone, and his hair is back to normal. I know I shouldn't be tracking Joe's hair so much, but I was really concerned. Um, but so he, he feeds Wishbone his leftovers and then the next day Mr. Pruitt comes into class and he's whistling and he's just like so happy because he and Wanda are back together and he cancels the exam because he said that he saw three of his students at Pepper Pete's and they were just so dedicated that they brought their books and so he realized how dedicated the kids were and so instead of having an exam or a test, they're going to have a taste test. And he brought them pizza. 
so amazing. It was also very 90s because we weren't talking about like allergens oh, yeah, <laughs> or like diet or sensitivities. It You're was just, just like, getting that pizza. Guess what? Pizza's on the way and everybody's delighted. <laughs> That's true. There was no conversation about gluten or lactose. <laughs> Who's yeah. vegetarian? Um, and then the, the episode ends with Wishbone filling in a hole, a giant hole he's dug at Wanda's house. And Wanda like flips out and he's like, ah, everything's back to normal. This is exactly what I expected from Wanda. Mm. And he runs away back to his own house. Just really yeah. good writing, I felt. I felt the story was tight and funny and hilarious to both children and adults. All right, so we can hop into the book portion of the episode. So um, the episode opens with two characters, um, Gabriel Utterson and his, I copied this from uh, Wikipedia because I did, could not understand the names, um, and his cousin Richard Enfield, um, Wishbone plays Utterson, and they're um, on a walk. And Enfield is like, oh, last week when I was walking past this house, I saw a sinister looking man push over a girl who was selling flowers. And he's, and then Utterson is like, oh, who was this man? Do you know who he was? And he was like, oh yeah, it was Edward Hyde. And Utterson is like, oh my gosh, we have this mutual friend, Dr. Jekyll, which you know, and <laughs> He has recently drawn up a will leaving all of his possessions to hide. So they're very concerned that he, J Dr. Jekyll is going to be leaving all of his possessions to this sinister man. So Utterson goes to talk to him and says, like, as your lawyer, as your friend, I'm just really concerned why you're leaving all of this to him. And Jekyll is like, don't worry. I, I can't change this. I can't change the will. I'm in a really bad spot, but don't worry. Like I can, I can change. I can get rid of Mr. Hyde at any moment. Like don't worry about it. I've got it under control, but I can't change my will. He's like, I can't tell you, but right. you have to trust me. Which, which not questioning that kind of a line is. Uh, I mean, I guess that's the line between like your friendships or your lawyer relationship, your client. He said, I can get rid of him at any moment. That's mob talk. That's you know. <laughs> He's really swimming with the fishes. Right. Yeah. That's what I got from that. Yeah. That's, a good, That's a good point. That's a good point. It was very sinister. So then he's, Dr. Jekyll is basically like, dude, you got to leave. I got to go to my laboratory. Laboratory. That was, <laughs> that was a highlight for me. Loved it. Um, and so then the narrator explains that Dr. Jekyll believe they like show Dr. Jekyll in this like um laboratory with all these like tubes and beakers and chemical things I have a history degree not a science degree so I don't know what was happening down you're, there you're getting yep you're you're on it and just picture a chemistry set from childhood in your mind that's what it looked like so um Dr. Jekyll uh, the, the narrator explains that Dr. Jekyll believed that man was both good and evil and contained both parts. And so he was trying to figure out how to separate the two. And he made this potion that could separate his purely evil side. And when he took it, it turned him into Edward Hyde. And then they show this like werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> it was a werewolf-like transformation. Yes. <laughs> it was like a werewolf where I wrote down polyjuice potion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But you see the polyjuice potion in the movies, like a werewolf very often, they, you would see it just in the shadows, like right. they didn't always That's have true. the technology to show it turning to a wolf, yes. <laughs> so the shadows would turn. That's true. I was also reminding me, um, that scene reminded me too in Disney movies sometimes, instead of showing something, like in the animated movies, instead of showing something bad happening, they'll show like a shadow of something, like in the yep. Tarzan movie. That happened. That, yes. That's a yeah, in the Tarzan point. movie, one of the characters gets hanged, and so they, like, show, like, a flash of lightning, and they see a shadow, but they don't actually see, like, the character. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway. So, um... And Wishbone, or Mr. Utterson, says, if he be Mr. Hyde, I oh, yeah. shall be Mr. Seek. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> it was really good. I wrote that down too. It's super funny. Which I've been thinking this whole time about the name hide and the word hide, right? Yeah. And that's kind of, I think, where we're supposed to go. But also, you know, just the turning away and hiding of even the transformation. It's all very secret. So many levels to it. Yeah. This Robert Louis Stevenson guy seemed to know what he was doing. Yeah, he was onto something. Um... So the next scene I show, Hyde is going to a tavern and everyone, like he walks in and the music stops and everyone's staring at him. And he says that anyone who gives, anyone who gives him an unkind eye is going to get a bloody lip. The way that Mr. Hyde spoke was just remarkable. I loved it. I don't know if that's how it's written in the book or if this is just the Wishbone writers talking funny, but I was super into it. I'm telling you the writing with the accents were all over the place as usual, <laughs> but the writing is so good and they did a good job. Usually the character Wishbone plays is more modern than the others, but this time because he wasn't necessarily the main mm. character, he's a narrator, he is fully immersed in the period. Yeah, world. There's only one or two lines here and there that are very modern and funny. Yeah, I liked that he didn't play Jekyll and Hyde. I thought that that was cool. I mean, it would have been interesting. I just wanted to see his costumes if he was Jekyll and Hyde, but... Um, I liked that he wasn't the main character. Which we um, talked about a little bit earlier. That's the, I mean, that's the way the story is presented, right? So it's, it's in keeping with the story and the way that it is told originally. So I don't think we touched on this before, but before recording the podcast, we've learned that Jess's husband just read this book recently. Yeah. <laughs> we learned a lot of factoids. And in the book, the narrator is the Wishbone character. Um, oh, that makes sense. Wishbone is kind of the main character, but it's an, it's he's not the main character of the story. He's like the main character of the book. And the okay. thing is, it's the story exists because there's onlookers, right? Because there's judgments. Yeah. Yep. So um, in the tavern, Hyde goes up to the bar and he asks for a cask of ale on the double. But uh, the bartender tells him, tells him he's a menace, and so he gets kicked out, and he doesn't get any ale. And then he goes, I'll leave, I'll leave this place in shambles, and, and like just starts flipping over tables, hitting people, knocking over glasses. And I was like, this is exactly how I'm going to leave every room for the rest of my life. Like, After the pandemic. this place in shambles. <laughs> After the pandemic, Jillian's really going to make her mark across the city of Milwaukee. Well, I really feel like that was kind of more like my persona in college, just leaving the world in shambles as I was out drinking, so perhaps I should like tone it down. But, yeah, fair, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have any good lines like that. I wasn't ever telling everyone what I was up to. I was never funny, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully. Well, I, I would have begged to differ. You said some funny things when we would go out together. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so Utterson slash Wishbone arrives way too late to be helpful. I thought that he was seeking Mr. Hyde, but no. You had it's one job. Like, yeah, a day late and a dollar short, per huge. So uh, the bartender explains that normally, like that um, Mr. Hyde has done this kind of crap before, but Dr. Jekyll always comes by later and pays for the damages and kind of sets everything right. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Like ding, 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 we know what's going on here. Right, right. Um, but then in the next scene, there's this lady in a nightgown with one of those like awesome pleated bonnet things. And she's sh shouting about a murder in the street. Um, and Enfield and Utterson come up and they like are like investigating the body and they're like, did you see what happened? And she says, oh, it was Mr. Hyde. And that was where the accents were really wonky. That lady, I don't know what accent she, she was She was doing. like fully Eliza Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the accent Free Henry all Higgins. Over, all over the map of the city of London. <laughs> <laughs> they were just trying to diversify. That was, that's all that was happening. Yes. So Utterson and Enfield are like, we got to find a constable. So they like set off to do that. And then we see Jekyll in his house take a potion and then the bottle crashes, and then he has like a letter in his hand. And Utterson and Enfield get to the get to his house, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, was he murdered too?" And they're like, "No, wait, 
look at this letter. And so the note explains kind of what he was up to and then he realized that it had gone too far and he couldn't get rid of Mr. Hyde without also getting rid of Dr. Duckel. So he had to take himself out. And that was it. That was where that story ended. That very dramatic ending. Yeah, yeah it was that was very dramatic. Abrupt and yes, that's yeah. <laughs> but that I, was that. But that was that. And when you're talking about what would a narrator see, that's it. That's the entirety of the story. I mean, his will was to give his possessions to himself. So like just confusing. I don't know how that would work. Yeah, uh, maybe I'm back in the day they didn't need any like proof of who the other person was. Like I haven't personally Ooh. done a will, but I would make some assumptions about you having to prove who you are. You probably have to list like a social security number or something. Yeah. You? Back then they'd probably have people vouching for you, to, like showing up and vouching for you, I think is kind like of- Like a the, character witness yes. or something. Yeah. Well, you do have to have a wit um, a will like, notarized or like witnessed by people i know that for sure I don't know. but like for life insurance you have to list somebody's social security numbers so your beneficiary you're right you do need their social but how would you execute that will how would, how would you be how would the executor well he didn't that was the end <laughs> but yeah, yeah i mean there's it. nothing to be done right yeah well like, i wonder if it was like he was assuming that at some point he would stay as mr hyde forever so like he would just like Dr. Jekyll would disappear as a person and then Mr. Hyde would be there. And so then Mr. Hyde would get right. all of his possessions. And yeah, because he, he could already tell from the beginning that Hyde was doing things fully out of Jekyll's control. Like he had, yeah. he was being the cleanup crew from moment one. And he, he probably each time he transformed back to Jekyll, like maybe it was harder and harder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or maybe he was like afraid he would get like stuck as Mr. Hyde and so he wanted to have a backup plan. Yeah, so he could at least like pay rent and put food on the table if he was stuck as Hyde. I never yeah. thought about that. So interesting. But I did think the two stories went together. Like the, um, what was happening with Wanda. What's interesting is that I felt like even though we knew Mr. Pruitt had the two identities, the kind of like message that the story is telling us is what like Wanda experiences. <laughs> like you yeah. have, you are a multifaceted person and right, you are dynamic. Yeah, like you're multifaceted, you're dynamic. Like if you're going to be authentic, um, you have to acknowledge that all these parts of you are you. Absolutely. I guess I'm jumping into my key takeaway. <laughs> I know. I'm, I feel like <laughs> hold I on your key takeaways for just one second. Do you have any fashion <laughs> notes you'd like, like to share? Wishbones costumes. Wishbones costume. I wrote these are my notes. Incomparable hat, cravat, suit, perfection. <laughs> I agree. I all. Wonderful. All I could think about was his little top hat, his that, little like tuxedo thing. He really wore it. He served. <laughs> it was too much and also the best all at the same time. And it kind of looked like he had a built-in monocle, so that works, you know? Yeah. It's That's so totally true. true. And the dog acting was superb. Like in his very first conversation where he's talking about like, oh, you know, our mutual friend, Mr. Jekyll or Dr. Jekyll, um, the dog acting is such that he like kind of cocks his head in surprise. Like when he's like, oh my God, Mr. Hyde, Mr. Jekyll. Like the dog <laughs> acting was just incredible in this episode <laughs> as usual. <laughs> that dog, he just gets better and better. He does. <laughs> Did you guys have any human costume notes that you needed to share? I noticed that Ellen was wearing like frosted lipstick, which she hasn't worn really, and her eyebrows looked a little thinner than usual, so they felt very 90s. Mm. Um, she and looked it, like a glamour shot. Yeah, she did. <laughs> and at one point, Wanda is wearing like a caftan, like dressing gown type thing. And yeah. I just, oh, yeah, that's in the first scene. Yes, I just wrote, I need it. <laughs> and as usual the boys were in large stripes and oversized rugby shirts the usual and sam had a cute outfit of like a jean jacket and like a long flannel or like it was maybe tied around her waist um as usual super she was super cute and they were clearly drinking country time lemonade in that picture oh my gosh <laughs> we have had 
had a full discussion about the prevalence of powder-based drinks in the 90s that simply do not exist now. Tang, Kool-Aid, like these do exist in the culture, but they're not as pervasive. We don't as they talk used to about be. them. There are commercials. Advertised. Like the Kool-Aid yeah. man is on my like ads on social media all the time, but that doesn't <laughs> convince me to buy Kool-Aid. It's just odd that it thinks I will buy them. <laughs> Um, I really do wish Kool-Aid were still socially acceptable to drink because it was so good. Who's stopping you? I don't know. It just seems like a, not a good idea. Um, yes, Contra Time Lemonade probably most definitely in that picture. Um, all right. So do you have any other additions before we hop into your key takeaways, which I know you're dying to share? <laughs> um, no, I would say kind of the, the biggest thing, as you know, I wanted to make sure we discussed was Wanda's reactions in the pizza parlor. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, I just, a fantastic episode. I felt like we, we learned a lot about the character relationships. And I think I would have had a really different experience if I didn't know the story of Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. Um, I think that really colored my experience. I think there were, it was really hard to look at it from fresh eyes because I was so, like, I was trying to predict things. Mm -hmm. That's true. I don't know that I would have cared about Blue Dublin being Mr. Pruitt if I hadn't known about that. Yeah, I would have just been like, okay, Wanda, like, make a decision. <laughs> yeah. As Jeff said, have a conversation with Mr. Pruitt if you'd like to expand your relationship. Right? <laughs> so do you have separate key takeaways or do you have shared key takeaways since i know you watched the episode together no i said i said no discussions before we record so oh good that's the way i like it all right who wants to go first with their key takeaways um i'll go first since i touched on it a little bit i said you know, when it comes to building authentic connections, you know, whether it's romantic or platonic or professional, whatever it is, neighborly, um, there's a lot of value in being yourself. I mm -hmm. kind of like that messaging, which I also like that it was threaded throughout the kind of Wanda and Wishbone story, like right mm -hmm. away from the beginning, Ellen was suggesting it. And then yeah. Wanda has her moment of like revelation at the end when she says it to Bob and accuses him of not being herself, himself and realizes that's what I should be too. Um, but when I wrote that down, I kept thinking about what does it mean to be like safe enough to be authentic mm -hmm. or your whole yep. self or whatever. And I actually thought a lot about code switching, um, which mm -hmm. all of us do in a lot of different environments. I mean, um, and Jillian and I also have had like all these different experiences and we like our like lens of the world is colored by our experiences growing up in the upper Midwest and growing up in the community we grew up in. Um, but I, I thought a lot about that, about like, you know, you can be yourself, but like we are in a place where you can be yourself up to a point. And yeah. part of like growing up in adulthood is seeking out community to like experience that. But then it's also sad because some people don't even know that's an option. So it just yeah. brought up a lot of thoughts. <laughs> that's a great point. I think um, something that I think about a lot is that I have like a handful of friends who are like the kinds of people that you can like just truly, truly be yourself. And like I, I talk frequently at work about how like I show up at work every day and I'm 100% myself. But that's not true. Like you said, like you hold some of yourself back or whatever. And I know specifically like I'll get to a point where I'm like I have to I need to leave Milwaukee like I need to go be with people who like have known me for forever who get me inside and out and I don't have to like explain anything to um so that's that's really interesting I think it does take a bit of vulnerability to get to that place but then when you're able to experience that authenticity it's really cool it's really special yeah thanks that's cool thank you what about you guys uh, How far, Jess? I mean, there were there were a lot of takeaways that we had in common, which I don't, it doesn't surprise me, right? <clears throat> um, but I've spent a lot of time thinking about the identity components of this and the like the early psychopharmacology and all the, you know, there's a lot of whole self-acceptance or partial self-rejection or even, you know, yeah. self-rejection in the end for, um, for Jekyll, right? 
I mean, because they get to that, I, I was asking before we started and thinking, can we, can we go there? Can we talk about the fact that this ended in a suicide? Yeah. You know? And because it's, it, there are limits on what you can do. And so depending on who you are and how much you need to be authentic and, or how limited you become, it might be a real struggle between the two. Um, so it's very, you know, coin, it's very two sides of the coin thing, which is what we hear at those colloquialisms. Um, and in the interim, there's, I mean, there's a lot of acting out uh, when people don't get their way or when people feel really uh, negatively judged. There's a lot of reactions that happen in that sphere um, because there's this, you're holding on to, well, I'm this person and everybody agrees that I'm this person, but there's also the, I don't really feel safe to be myself fully. Mm -hmm. um, so then there's hiding, which is, gets us to the, you know, back to the word hide, right? Um, there's this kind of adjunct need to impress, which we touched on earlier, and also like a feeling of specialness that comes with succeeding at that, uh, which is just really interesting to, to think about how much you place of your own value outside of yourself, right? How much of it is being revalidated back to you and you're, you're thinking, okay, so that must be who I am, right? Like it's so much of it is external. And Wanda hears that directly where yeah. she says like, oh, I have to do all these things to be special and yes. appeal. And Ellen's like, no, you are an interesting you already person. Are. Yeah. You already are. Yeah. That's the thing. So uh, yeah, there was so much, there was so much about expectations, which Shauna and I've been talking about for weeks, <laughs> managing expectations and just thinking about, um, you know, what vision of you, you hold what vision of you other people hold and how how consistent do you really need to be or do you really need to put on like a double life act to fully be yourself but then you're still not accomplishing it because in the end you know unless somebody finds out that that was you you're you're performing still it's it's yeah. still, you know you're still kind of moonlighting as your real self so yeah there's a lot in it and i think i kind of just um really wrapped it up with thinking about wishbone looking in the mirror and how we see ourselves as different he's he's looking in the mirror and describing my my whiskers are longer my snout is shorter my he's making all these things up and you're looking at him looking at himself in the mirror and nothing is different mm -hmm. but what yeah. he is is different that's such a good point yeah i was as you were talking when you first started talking about the suicide i didn't even I mean, I thought about it, obviously, but I didn't think about how I feel like in like modern culture there are like modern times, they wouldn't show a suicide on TV and not have like some sort of like conversation about it. Like that would have been such, an, be. yeah. have been such an interesting time for them. They usually do those like little like behind the scenes, blah, blah, blahs or whatever. Would have been such an interesting time. I, I don't know what they would have done, but to like touch on it a little bit and like explain the suicide or like talk about it so that kids can understand it yeah because I feel like even like seventh heaven and stuff like that like they would have like a little like 30 seconds in it during the commercial break like hey like call the national like suicide prevention yeah. lifeline yeah. like this is real like there are people who are here to talk to you um yeah but well, even now like when you yeah I'm sorry even now when you watch a lot of really trashy reality tv and even if you watch like teen mom 2 if someone in the show is talking about suicide or domestic violence or any of these like really big issues that are really heavy they would they'll put in like a little psa that's like call the national suicide hotline like or you know this is where you can get help if you're experiencing domestic violence or drug abuse or whatever like you know they like put those resources out there and it would have been it would have been really impactful for them to do that for this episode as well but it was also kind of, I, I don't know, it was interesting to see it as such a simplistic thing too, right? Because it wasn't, it, there was no, there was not um, so much of a story about the death, right? It was about how his life occurred, their mm -hmm. lives occurred. So it's really interesting that they focus mostly on that. I wonder too, because it's a little two-dimensional because it's in the book adaptation. It's not mm -hmm. necessarily in what's happening in Oakdale that like the kids are going through. So sure. there isn't necessarily an avenue to explore it unless 
what was happening in Oakdale approached it in the way that like, you know, early on we had an episode where we talked about Joe meeting a friend, Max, who was in the foster care system. And this mm-hmm. sister story was Oliver Twist. So we, they could really talk about what it means mm-hmm. to not have like parents or legal guardians in your life. Like, what does that mean as a kid and how does that affect you? They really address those directly. Um, yeah. but because this story wasn't necessarily about a death. It was more about identity. Yeah. Um, they didn't approach it. Yeah. Well, so earlier in quarantine, Sean and I both watched Babysitter's Club on Netflix. Excellent. And they talked about a bunch of really like serious topics that like you wouldn't normally expect in a kid show talking about kids who are transgender mm-hmm. um, and a couple other issues. And I was just thinking like it would have been such a powerful story if the like wishbone plotline had been about a kid who was you know, experiencing what you were talking about, Jess, like someone who's like moonlighting as a different person during the day or whatever. And then they're like considering taking their own life or they're self-harming or something, you know, like all these issues that kids do encounter and how, how Sam and Joe and David interact with that kid. Or if it's one of the three of them, you know, like whatever, it could have been a really interesting way to approach it too. Yeah. Because we've seen all three of them deal with uncertainty and insecurity in a lot of different ways. We know, we know we joke about David like having anxiety, but he really like shows on the screen and the writing shows us that he puts a lot of expectations on himself. And, um, and same with Sam, like she is, has to manage her time in a very adult way. Yeah. And she's a child of divorce. Um, so she also like experiences her life in a different way. You do way. learn that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and Joe's dad died when Joe was really young. Like if it isn't obvious enough, Jillian, Jess and I are proponents of therapy and counseling. Oh, and absolutely. like not, you know, diagnosing yourself with television or books or whatever. Like it's very important to speak to a professional and then and then further engage like people who are important to you on the conversation. For sure. Um, do either of you have any more to add to that? Otherwise I can share my key takeaway, which is on a completely different sphere, I think. Oh, I I'm so that. excited. I love that. Um, there were a lot yeah. of ways you could go. That's what I yeah. actually felt like I, there were a lot of different ways you could go, which already all three of us have gone in three different ways. Yeah. So I was thinking um, kind of along the lines of what you were sharing, Tana, like you should be like, be yourself. And that's like the best way to be the most authentic. But I also thought what was interesting was that um, Bob and Wanda both experienced that they had a mutual connect, like they had a mutual interest that they hadn't like been open enough to share with each other. Like Wanda thought that Bob was going to judge her. And Bob thought Wanda was going to judge him. So they just didn't tell each other that, like that they were both interested in rock and roll. Uh, (laughs) And I was kind of along the same lines of what we were talking about before, but I was just thinking about how important it is to like establish relationships where you're willing to be vulnerable enough to share that about yourself and to say like, I have this thing that I would like to do, whether it's Wanda wanting to be in a polyamorous relationship or (laughs) like (laughs) if, you know, just like being able to share that with somebody and being like, oh, you might think it's weird, but like, I love Wishbone. You know, I don't know. It's like much lighter than what you were both sharing, but I think it's important as well. It is. I think that is. Thank you for sharing, Jillian. I think, <laughs> I think it is all, I think a great thing about this show is that we can take so many different things out of it, depending on who we are at the point where we're watching it, mm-hmm. right? Like, what if we were watching this 48 hours from now? We're recording this on Monday. Um, like, you know, we would really be in a different frame of mind. So we are approaching- yeah, Monday before the election, <laughs> we should say. Sorry, Monday before the uh, election United day. States yeah. general election of 2020? What year is it? It's 2020. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> it's it's quarantine times. Time is relative. <laughs> yes. Time is relative. The sun goes down at like 1.32 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. I think like your perspective on it, I think I've been thinking a lot about vulnerability. And so that was like, I think both what you were sharing, Shauna, and like what I came up with as a key takeaway, both really resonated with me because I've been thinking about 
vulnerability a lot and how I'm bad at it. So there's that. <laughs> um, all right. So do either of you have anything else to add or we can jump into recommendations? No, that's it. It was a fun episode, but it was a dark episode. And I think, like I said before, if I didn't know the story, I think I would have maybe approached it in a different way. Um, so I think that was kind of an interesting way to reflect on it too. Yeah, I agree. It was kind of dark, kind of spooky. Good for, you know, a couple days after Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Shauna, do you have any recommendations to share with our listeners? Yes, I do have a recommendation and I really should be writing down a list of what my recommendations are because I'm worried I gave this one before, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to give it again. <laughs> um, I really encourage everyone to get outside for even if it's as little as like 10 minutes a day, wherever you are, whatever the temperature is, if it's safe for you to go outside, there's a lot of benefits, your mental health benefits, as well as physical health benefits to like exit wherever you are quarantining. The public health officials recommend it. The trained experts in science recommend it. Um, I specifically cite Davy Shreeder, who is uh, guiding the government of Scotland, and she's at the University of Edinburgh, and she's a head of a global org that's um, based around public health. Um, she is kind of well known on Twitter for every, like, especially every Sunday, like posting like, hey, like, make sure you go outside for 10 mm. minutes today, just every single day. And people will post a picture of the sun or the street or their dog or something like as a reply to her tweet. Um, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard to go outside. Jillian is much farther north than we are. I just physically moved south because I realized how hard the winter was going to be for me. And Jess and I have been talking about like just making sure we get outside and move a little bit more. And um, I, I've talked about this for like 10 minutes at this point, but I, I cannot emphasize enough how important I think it is. Even if you're just like walking up and down your driveway for like 10 minutes, just do it. Um, well, I second that because my recommendation was to go for a walk. Um, I completely agree. So I, as Shauna mentioned, I live in Wisconsin, so Times are going to get tough here pretty soon. It's going to start to get cold. We've already had snow. Um, and I have a friend who told me I, that she has made a pact with herself to go out on a walk with one person a week. Like, make a dedicated time to, like, go for an hour or whatever. And I was her first friend in her experiment. And we found this, like, forest. And we uh, took my dog. And it was super fun. We, like, just walked around for, like, two hours and just, like, kind of explored these trails that we had never been on. And it was awesome. And I've, like, kind of adopted her method. And now I have, like, two walks set up in the next two weeks. Oh, great. And um, it's, I mean, I go out and I walk my dog all the time. And um, so I have to be outside, but I think like spending time to like reconnect with a friend too, especially in quarantine is super important. And so even if you have a list of like three people and you just like rotate through them or two people or one person and you just make them go for a walk with you all the time. Um, I think it's just really important to like have that time to socialize and connect and also be outside in nature. Like Shauna said, the health benefits, mental health benefits are astounding and scientifically proven. So get out and do it. And I can also reiterate the scheduling one a week, once a week, a walk with a friend thing, because I have literally been doing that since March. I don't recommend trying to FaceTime and walk. I tried to do that with my nephew. He wasn't really that into it, but he's only two. So there's that. <laughs> he only wanted to talk to my dog and not to me. It's fine. Typical. I <laughs> Typical two-year-olds. I think part of it is building in something to look forward to as well. And also Ooh. whether or not you're with a new person, but definitely when you're with a, a person that you're not seeing every day, um, they can lead you in new directions. It's exciting. They, you know, if you're going to this forest that you've never been to, you know, even though I have a dog too, and we take kind of the same walk every day, uh, twice a day, you know, you do kind of the same things over and over again. And so when you can make, your daily needs into something to look forward to something exciting also that's that's pretty major yeah that one hot tip for dog owners too when I take my dog walking somewhere she's never been she's way more tired when we get home because she like sniffs everything she runs around she like loses her mind 
it's like the best way to tire her out and I'm a very high energy dog so cool. that's a hot tip <laughs> Bess do you have recommendations I have many recommendations but I will limit it to one <laughs> um so I I like to make things I like to make anything I can make with my hands and I recently realized I don't like working with machines so much so I started learning hand-built pottery and that Ooh. is something that you may not be able to access firing services, but you can make it work somehow at home in your house, whether it's just um, art supply shops sell like clay that just dries up and it's, you know, it's not for like eating out of, but um, that works. Or if you have, if you're close to any pottery studios, you can usually get uh, firing services. You can buy firing services through them, but basically you just buy yourself a lump of clay and you can sit at home and, um, and you know, make it with your hands. You don't have to have a wheel or many tools or any fancy things, accessories to make it work. Um, clay costs, what, 25 bucks a bag for 25 pounds. So it's, I mean, it's, it's like a small commitment for something that you can do that's very engaging in many of your senses. And I'm really enjoying that. I like that. While you talked about it, it just reminded me of us playing with Play-Doh as a kid. Like That's exactly we what were it is. so tactile and imaginative and you could imagine all these things. And I played with Play-Doh all the time, but now that I'm thinking back on it, I have no idea what I was doing with it. <laughs> And that's the great thing. You don't have to know. Yeah. You, there's no knowing. There's, you know, you're just doing a thing and seeing where it takes you. That's awesome. Sean and I have been talking a lot in these recommendations about things that are like away from screens and like keeping your hands busy and not thinking yeah. about, you know, yeah, that's an awesome recommendation. Thank you. Yeah. Yay. Thanks for joining us, Jess. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thank you so much. You're welcome back anytime. Just hop oh, on. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Subscribe to What's the Story with Jillian and Shauna wherever you listen to podcasts. Every episode of Wishbone is on YouTube, and we've linked them for you at wishbonepodcast.com. Hope you'll join in.